in our Advent series on the gifts of Jesus, I've chosen to finish uh, by looking at the gift of the church. Uh, I've spoken before about the contribution of the church to society over the last 2,000 years, both good and bad, but today I want to focus on the personal. I need you. I don't know what my life would be like without you. Uh, I don't need the job, but I need church. Uh, I met my wife in Singapore over 30 years ago. Uh, I needed Carlene to take me along to her church, to introduce me to her friends. And without those church people, uh, I wouldn't have known what Christian friendship looks like. Uh, and I wouldn't have got to know Jesus. When we came to Sydney, we went to Barney's just down the road. Without that, I wouldn't have known what Christian maturity looks like. I'd seen other forms of adult life, but I'm not sure I could have worked out Christian maturity without seeing it in action. Humble and generous and wise are just words uh, until you see them in action. When I was at Barney's, I, I was made a church warden, even though I was a, a very young Christian, uh, because I knew a bit about law and business. Uh, I got on top of the legal and practical aspects of it quite quickly, but in the early years, I relied on my fellow wardens, Darren and Paul, to show me how Christians should go about doing things. They, they, they channeled the character of Jesus, uh, as did their equally mature and godly wives, Isa and Lulu. Uh, I still made mistakes, but I saw in the way that, that they taught, they acted and they prayed, God's ways were different from what I was often seeing in business. I needed to learn how to approach the Bible from people who knew it and loved it, like my friend Peter. I learned so much from leading a Bible study with him for 20 years. He gave me the best present I've ever received, a CD of lectures from two fine American theologians, Gordon Fee and Bruce Waltke. Uh, it was on biblical theology, on what the Bible is and how it works. And I was just literally thrilled listening to them. They just opened up the wonders of God in ways that I had never known. Uh, and it was great. And that came from a friend that I made in church. I needed good Christian friends I could trust when I started thinking about leaving uh, my old job and going to more college. People who knew me and knew my strengths and my weaknesses. Uh, I spoke with one man called Keith, who was Dean of Students at Moore College and who had known me for, for 20 years or so. He, he knew I would face challenges, but he knew me well enough uh, to know that with the support of people like him, uh, I could get through it and, and that I could go on and, and, and uh, do what I wanted to do in terms of teaching the Bible. But I, that was only happened because of the 20 years that we'd spent getting to know each other at church. Uh, I need the members of my Bible studies here uh, and the people who attend morning prayer 
I love being part of our services on Sunday, but I also love being able to teach and learn from other Christians. And once a week isn't enough. I love the idea of joining with all the saints of every place and generation when we sit down with the Lord at his table in the age to come. I take it that I will see old friends who have died in the faith, friends I've made through the church, people like Patty. You know, you just, you know, I mean, because I've met Patty here, I'm going to be able to enjoy her even more in the age to come. One of the best experiences of my life happened down the road at Barney's. In 2006, the old church, built a, a few years before this one, burnt to the ground. Uh, there were many tears shed, some for the damage done by the fire and, uh, and some for the people who were so affected by the loss. So many memories bound up in a building that had gone up in flames. But being part of the team that built the new church was great fun and at times unbelievable. One of the best things I've ever done. Uh, we pulled together, we imagined together, we worked together and we won together. At times, uh, I couldn't believe what the Holy Spirit was doing in his church and for his church. Uh, early on, we held a two-day search conference uh, to discuss what we wanted. Over 200 people attended for the full weekend, two days, because you only got to vote if you were there for the whole time. And at the end, we had to vote on what we wanted on a scale of one to 10. One was build something like we had before, small, classical, limited. 10 was max out. Multi-storey, church with retail and accommodation and a jacuzzi hanging off every corner. At, at the end of the day, uh, there was extraordinary agreement. I mean, just, how, how could you get 200 people agree on anything? But there was real unanimity around sort of six, seven, possibly eight. Uh, and... Uh, it was, it, was, it was wonderful. We, we wanted something that was bigger uh, and more functional, enabled us to do more stuff uh, for the people around us, but we wanted it to be recognisably a church, a place where we could come together and worship. Not everyone agreed, but there was such agreement that we could move ahead together. And there was never, oh, we should have done something else or we should have done this. We were, we were united. And that was because of what God was doing in us. Uh, then we ran a design competition. We asked five leading firms of architects to submit their designs. And we got to look at them on a cold, wet Friday evening. Uh, I'd been sick all week and I definitely didn't feel like turning up. Uh, I approached the, the reveal with a real fear that none would work, that the architects just wouldn't understand what we wanted to do. But as we saw them and each one was explained, my spirits just soared. All were better than I expected and even dared to hope for. Uh, one really stood out. Uh, it was brilliantly functional and beautiful. 
It was not just an anonymous model building with a cross stuck on the top, but a church with a huge cross built into the front that when it's backlit at night shines the cross of Christ into the dark of our city. It's wonderful. And I thought, how much would that cost? And how could we persuade head office and Sydney Council to let us build it? It's got curved walls. Churches don't have curved walls. Uh, And from certain angles, it looks like a giant skateboard ramp. That's not a church, people said. But we did, and we built it. The insurance wouldn't cover the rebuild, let alone our plan to double the size. We asked the Anglican Property Trust for a million dollars, and they gave us one and a half million dollars. How did that happen? Well, we could only thank God. Uh, We asked the Fairfax Family Foundation for a million dollars. I I fronted a very high-powered board, all rich, successful company directors. They started by saying that they had experience of the Anglican Church uh, on building projects before, and in their words, uh, it hadn't been a good experience. You can imagine, you know, you can sort of go, well, how do we get back from here? Uh, But as... uh, I spoke. I spoke with more confidence than I'd ever had. I I spoke as if God was speaking through me. I was speaking his words. Um, And we talked about our hopes for what could be done in that church over the next 150 years. And at the end of it, they gave us the $1 million we asked for and an extra $100,000 because they were so impressed by what we said that we were going to try and do uh, through that church. And what can one say other than praise God for what he does in his church? I don't ever want to go uh, through that again. I don't want to be a member of a church that burns down. One is enough for anyone. Uh, But it was an amazing experience and I made some very good friends And I really felt God was at work in his church. If it wasn't for St. John's, I would know nothing about Aboriginal Christianity. I would have missed out on Uncle Ray's teaching, Auntie Sharon's heart, and the friendship from all the members of Scarred Tree, Auntie Eunice and Uncle Ben and, and all the others. I wouldn't have been pushed and challenged and inspired and humbled by their generosity and incredible insights into the wonders of God. Ray has so much to be angry about, and yet I don't think I've ever met someone with such a generous heart. Which is all to say that we are so much better together than alone. And God knew that. The church is not a human creation. It is a gift of God. We see in Genesis 1 and 2 that God made us as social beings for fellowship with God and with each other. Some beings live isolated lives, but humans are the most social of beings, sometimes also antisocial. But God made us for society and for being together. That first psalm, doesn't that just 
bring you together and say, God made us for worship. And not individual worship, but collective worship. It's a psalm to be sung together. Our language skills are far beyond any other creatures as our words shape each other and our understanding of the world and God. The origins of the church lie in God's desire to have a people of his own, to experience his love and to love him in return. The church is a community of people who acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. We trace our roots back to the Old Testament people of God and God's covenants with Abraham, Moses and David and their descendants. Through Jesus, we are adopted into his family and grafted into the people of Israel. Through Jesus, we have received a new covenant initiated by God through his grace and sealed by the blood of Christ. And we experience that through the church. God tells us through the Apostle Peter that we are a royal priesthood and all believers have direct access to God through the purifying work of Jesus, who by his sacrifice for us makes us holy and able to come into the presence of our holy God. We are equal before God, irrespective of race, sex and ability. We are equal in our need for God and our dependence on him and equal in the love he pours out on us through Jesus and his Holy Spirit. We church when we gather. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, from which we get ecclesiastical. It means gathering or congregating. Without gathering, there is no church. There is no command for Christians to go to church and very little direction onto what we do when we get together. We know that the early churches sang hymns and songs and prayed and read scripture and encouraged each other through it. But there are no rules. There is a desire for some form of order. You see that in 1 Corinthians. But only so that everyone does not speak at once. So excited are we by the good news of Jesus that we share. God is far more interested in our relationships with each other than our programs. Our vision for the church is God's vision for his church. We don't have a mission. We join God in his mission to save and bless the world through his church. Our second reading puts it well, Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We, we see some of God's purpose here for our gatherings. Love and good deeds. Love understood as caring for each other and those around us, and, and keeping going with God as we await the return of our Lord and Saviour. The gifts keep flowing. Jesus tells us that he will be with us and answer our communal prayers. Matthew 18, again, truly I tell you that if two of you uh, on earth agree about anything they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. 
Now, that's not to say that he isn't with you at home when you're one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, but he particularly calls us to get together so that we can enjoy him being with us. In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul tells us, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And in the same letter, he says that we are made for each other. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Each of us are parts of a body, each with our own part to play. He made us to fit together, to be his body on, Christ, uh, on earth. We are weak alone, but we can do great things together. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It's Christ's church. We are Christ's church. And nothing can stop Jesus. Each Sunday we greet each other with God's peace. Uh, and that is another gift that, goes, uh, that comes to us from God through church. In Colossians 3 we read, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Dwell among you, plural. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And we're going to do that shortly. Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to gift, indwell, encourage, and build his church. The first ch churches developed in times when communal needs were valued more than the current focus on individual needs. It's, it's good that the church has reclaimed the language of a personal relationship with God, However, the personal, the one-on-oneness we have in private prayers and study was never meant to replace what we can do together. Uh, I need to hear you sing. I need to hear your prayers. I need to understand your joys and struggles. I need to see you express and share the gifts that God has given you through Kerry's gardening, Dale and Kay's cooking, and Kelly's decorations, through our musicians and the people who use their many gifts here to, to bless us, through your support of missionary societies. I draw strength from what we are able to do together through encouraging each other in our families, in our workplaces, and our neighbourhoods, and what we do through GAP. None of us could do that on our own, but together we bless many hundreds of people. And of course through Scar Tree and our other shared ministries, hundreds of people walk through our churchyard every week because you make this place possible. Australia has become a very individualised culture Many people either don't think much about the spiritual dimension of life or they want to find their own spirituality. But however much I want to respect the choices individuals make, 
I just can't help but think we cannot overcome the way that God has made us. We are social beings made for each other, made to worship God together. And to limit the spiritual to the individual may provide some vertical connection with God, but God made us for both the vertical and the horizontal. A gift with music is better shared. Singing is more fun and more satisfying when we sing together. Talking with each other is far better than talking to ourselves. And God knows that. He knows how he made us. And that is one reason he gave us the church. I know that there can be challenges in doing church together, but they pale compared to the day-to-day joy I get from you. So this Christmas, I thank God for the way that he has made us and gifted us. And I thank God for the gatherings of Christians in every country on earth, particularly those where it's so difficult or illegal to gather. And I thank God for his life-giving work through his churches. And I thank God for you. And although it is Christmas and we normally sing carols, I thought we really needed to sing this as we thank God for all the saints. Let's stand and sing.